Let's all please turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, once we turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, let's turn to chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. But once we do that, do not turn away from the book of Ecclesiastes. Just stay there, because we're going to stay there the whole time in that book. But if once you turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, please stand on the ring of the court, if you can. And as we read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, and as we stand to honor the reading of his word, let's now read together. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. I've read this, I've read this scripture many, many, many times, and most of the time I read this, in fact, I read this at every funeral. I read this usually at the beginning of the funerals, and it's very true. It's from the book of Ecclesiastes. Which is written by Solomon, the wisest man, because he had the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. And when Solomon wrote this, he was looking for joy and pleasure in the world around him, and he found depression. But we're going to talk about that today, as he found depression. And I've been in deep depression in my life before, so I can understand. We often pursue happiness, and sometimes we don't find it find our needs to be in the right things. And so today's sermon is called The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. Many people pursue happiness in many, many things. And we know that. We've all done it ourselves. I'm sure of it. I'm sure we pursued happiness. We pursued happiness in things of this world as, as Solomon has and did. He did. Solomon did. It says that Solomon, as we know, was the son of David. Solomon pursued happiness in the wrong things. Thank you very much. Solomon reigned as king of Israel, and that was around 970 B.C. up until about 930 B.C. That, that's, a, that's 40 years, 40 years that he was, about king, he was king. And in the book of Ecclesiastes was probably written toward the end of his reign, about 935 B.C., somewhere around there. So about five years before he passed on. And we know about his struggles. Solomon had plenty. Yes, he was the wisest man because the Holy Spirit came upon him. But, folks, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have that Holy Spirit like he did, except he's, uh, he was seeking wisdom, so he received that wisdom. So you have the ability to have wisdom just like he did in a different way, but you, you can have it. 
But he had struggles in his lives, and we know about that because we saw that he had many wives, many, many, many wives, about 70 or so, and we saw that he had all sorts of women as well. He had 100 women in his life, and all sorts of false gods came into his life because of it. And he built up Israel around him, but because of that, he surrounded himself with all sorts of things he shouldn't have. And that's why Israel went through such terrible times afterwards. And this brought depression upon him. And he saw this. And so we can see that even though he did such things, he was sad because of it. He could see the, the faults that, that came upon his life. And so we get to see in this book of Ecclesiastes, which we're going to read through. No, not all of it. There's 12 chapters. We can't read through it all. But we're going to see. I, I suggest you do read it, though. But we're going to see some of the things that he went through. Now, why are we going to read through some of this today? Because I happen to know that all Christians and all people, all people of the Lord, Go through these things in their lives, and perhaps you're one of them today. Perhaps you're one of them looking through the, for the meaning of life, looking for things in your life, and perhaps you're depressed today. Perhaps you're going through depression. Perhaps you're seeking a, a reason for happiness. Perhaps you're seeking for happiness right now, and you're seeking happiness in the wrong things. Perhaps you think you know what reason it is to be happy, and you're not finding it. Solomon's. He did it too. And he was the one known for being the wisest man of all time. And if he can miss the mark, if he can lose the reason for happiness, if he can make a mistake, then you can't do it. And I'm saying this to you not to make you feel bad, not to make you feel bad, but to give you joy. I'm saying this to you because I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. As I said before, for all of sin may and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, we all make mistakes. Solomon, the wisest of all time, he fell short. We all do. He made horrible mistakes in Israel, but we could see that he was depressed and he was trying to seek happiness in the wrong things. And so when you feel depressed, maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's because you're looking at the world around you. He's, he's, he was doing the same thing. That's what Ecclesiastes is, what we find out. That's what we find out. So we're going to look into that book. And we're going to see it. the narrative, the, the uh, narration of this book is from the side of the preacher, which is what Solomon calls himself here. The preacher or the teacher, depending on the version that you're reading from. But it's the same. The preacher and the teacher. And it reveals the depression that comes from seeking happiness in these worldly things. And this book gives a Christian a chance to see the world through the eyes of this wise person who unwisely is trying to find the meaning in temporary human things and worldly pleasure. Most every form of worldly pleasure is explored by this preacher. And dawn, and excuse me, and none of it gives him a sense of meaning. And this is what causes depression. This causes depression. I think we've all done it at times in our lives. Maybe you, you, you see, uh, have been seeking Pleasure. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with having uh, of having things. But if those things have you, if they own you, you will not find happiness. And so through the world, he tries to find pleasure in works, in his work. There's a lot of people, even today, who are out working, thinking, I have to have work. I have to work to keep my house. Yes, you have to have money to live. We know that. But if you're only working, 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 and never realizing you can't work without what God has given you, then you have missed the mark. 
because work cannot, and I'm talking work only, and you work, 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 and you're never giving any joy through your family or anything else. And more importantly, the one who gave you the ability to work, which is God, then you will not be happy. Or how about pleasures or treasures? If you're only seeking pleasures, worldly treasures and pleasures, you will not find happiness. Or the knowledge of the world, the wisdom of the world, and the words of the world. You're never going to find happiness through that, though you will try. Oh, it might be for a little while, but it will come and it will go. As we're going to see in a moment through his words. And then there's going to be a realization that just comes and it goes. And it will make you happy for just a moment. Maybe even a second. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. And then it's going to go away. And then comes depression. Depression because you realize it doesn't last. Folks, take it from me. I've tried to find joy in some of these things, especially if you say you, yes. I tried to find joy in, in the sweet tooth at times. Really? Yes. Where do you think I, I end up looking like this? And then lost weight, found joy in that, and then gained weight when I was depressed, horribly, horribly, horribly depressed. Because I tried to find joy, tried to find joy in other worldly pleasures and other things, and then that worldly pleasure went away. And then I couldn't find happiness again. And then that went away, and I found pleasures and the taste buds again. And then that went away. And I got on the scale, and believe me, that pleasure wasn't there. That's what happens, folks. You try to find another things, that pleasure doesn't last. There's a realization and a depression. So let's now look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And let's see what he says. Let's see what Solomon says. Verse 1, he talks about him being the preacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. That's why it cracks me up when people talk about, do we know it's Solomon? Of course we do. He was the only one who was the king, who was the son of David. It says, here we go, verse 2. Just follow with me now. And I'll go through a few verses here. It says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. All is vanity. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're vain, but it says it's it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless is what he's saying. Everything's meaningless. What benefit is there, is verse 3, what benefit is there to a man in all his labors that he toils under the sun? A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth continually remains. The sun comes up and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. It moves to the south and then moves around to the north. The wind continually travels around and it keeps turning on its circuit. All the streams flow into the sea and the sea it never filled up. And to the place where the streams flow, there they continually return to flow. All matters are wearisome. A man is not able to speak to them. The eye is not satisfied with what it sees, and the ear is not content with what it hears. And what has been is the same as what will be, and what has been done, what has been done is the same as what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a matter where it is said, see, this is a truly new. Long ago in the past, every matter has already been in our midst. This is verses 1 through 10. You see, he sees, he sees that everything that's already been is going to be again. It just goes on and on. The sun comes up, the sun goes up. This is the man who's treated depressed. 
Now, I personally wake up in the morning, I see, praise God, I got another day. This is what happens when you face death. This is what happens when you see that life is a blessing. But when you have everything you want, this is what happens when you're spoiled. When you're spoiled rotten. You don't see the blessings that life gives. But when every day is the same all the time, continuously, and you think, I've done it all, I've worked hard, I got it all. But when you have physical problems, like we might, I don't know if you do or not, but I have physical problems. So I can see that every single day, every single day, whether I feel good or feel bad, it's a blessing. And we'll get to that in a moment. But he can see the pains and the turmoils from all the work he's given. He sees it all bad and good. But he sees most of the bad. I'm going to skip down now to verse 18. Because he talks about things that he's done. He talks about the sun and the wind and all these things. But verse 18 says it like this. For in an abundance of wisdom and an abundance of frustration, and he who increases in knowledge also increases in sorrow. Maybe you felt this way before. Maybe you've seen all the work you've done. You work hard and you give hard. And you can't see what all is coming from it. And so we now go to chapter 2. And he says this in, in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2. He says, and I said in my heart, come and I will test you with selfish pleasures to experience desires. And notice that this too is vanity. And I said of frivolous fun that, that excuse me, I said of frivolous fun, they are only senseless ideas and regarding selfish pleasure. What purpose is this? It's all meaningless, he's saying. And he goes on to talk about all the things he's done. He goes to talk about all the things he's built. He's built so many things. I did this and I did that. I had slaves. I had men slaves, girl slaves. I built all these things up. I built up Jerusalem. I was the king. I had everything I wanted. See, here's the thing Solomon did. He had wives aplenty. He had women aplenty who weren't even his wives. Concubines, he called them. He had temples he built. He built temples, built churches, built all these things. But it didn't bring him pleasure. Folks, we talked before about what happened. He was the son of David. The reason why God did not condemn the kingdom, all he did with the false gods and everything, was because of the promise God gave David. But it doesn't bring happiness. Oh, it might seem like happiness for just a moment, but it doesn't bring happiness. So let's see what happens after that. Well, let us see. Let's go to verse 10. now. Verse 10, it says, and everything that my eyes wanted, I did not refuse them. And I did not withhold my heart from any selfish pleasure. From my heart, excuse me, for my heart was glad from all my efforts. And this was my reward for all my efforts. Then I turned to all the work that my hands had designed and all the labor that I had toiled to make. And noticed all of it was vanity and chasing the wind, and there was no benefit under the sun. Have you ever been that way? You seem like you're building, you're building, you're building, you're going to give yourself everything you want, oh, I've done it. And no matter what you do, you just can't find satisfaction. It's like that old song from the doors. Maybe you've heard of it. I can't get no satisfaction. But he tries, and he tries, and he tries, and he tries. He can't get no. Uh -uh -uh. <laughs> satisfaction uh -uh -uh. why 
Because no matter what you try in the flesh, you're not going to get eternal satisfaction, let alone satisfaction that's going to last very long. Oh, but Philip, you're not trying correctly. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I don't care if you have a million dollars, two million, three million, three billion. It's not going to give you great satisfaction because the flesh, once it deceives, you get it and it relieves for just a moment. It devours. It rottens the teeth and it's done. Satan's a deceiver. What he does. Solomon was deceived for a time, just for a time. He goes on to talk about the fate of the wise and the fool. And we've all fallen for it. It says in verse 14 of chapter 2, the wise man has eyes in his head, so he sees where he walks. But the fool continues in darkness, yet I perceive that the same fate overtakes them all. He's talking about life and death. And he goes on to say in verse 15, then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. So to what advantage is my wisdom? Then I said to myself, this also is vanity. This also is vanity. Oh, it sounds depressing, doesn't it? But listen to what he says after that. Verse 16, for there is no lasting memory for the wise or the fool, by which in the coming days everyone will be forgotten how the wise dies, just like the fool. And this is where you know he's in deep depression. You know he's in deep depression. Listen to what he says. Verse 17, and I began to hate life. For the labor that was done under the sun was contemptible to me. For all of this was vanity and chasing the wind. And I despised all the toil in the which I labored under the sun, which I will give up to the man who comes after me. And who knows if this man will be wise or a fool. Yet he will gain power over every labor that I have toiled and use, use of wisdom under the sun. Also, this is vanity. So then we're going to skip down here. We're going to skip down here to, to verse 24. Verse 24. Listen to this, so he says now. He says, There is nothing better for me. Wait a minute, I'm going to go up. Verse 22. For what becomes of a man with all his labor and with the striving of his heart that he toils under the sun? For all of his days are sorrowful and his work is vexation. Even at night, his heart finds no rest. Also, this is fleeting. That sounds so depressing if you live life this way. Just to work, just to live, just to die. And that's what the loss is doing. Live, eat, die. How depressing. But this is how they see it. Live the best. Die. All they think is great. Eat, drink, die. Eat, drink, die. But listen to what it says in verse 24. There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in his labor. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For who can even eat or have enjoyment more so than I? For to a man, who is pleasing before him, talking about God, God gives wisdom, knowing, excuse me, knowledge and joy. But to a sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting. Verse 24 is still on here. 
excuse me, verse uh, 26, he says, to give him who is pleasing before God, also this is vanity and chasing the wind. Now, this is where it goes into chapter three. And he said, he goes on to talk about what life is to everything. There is a season, time for every purpose under heaven, time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, what, uh, a time to uproot what is planted, time to kill, time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather up stones. You see what he's talking about? A time for the good and a time for the bad. He's talking about all these things. There's a time for good and there's a time for bad. That's what he says. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. That's usually where everyone stops. But then we got to go on here. Verse 9 of chapter 3. What benefit does the worker have in his toil? I have seen the task that God has given to sons of men to be concerned with. He has made, this is beautiful. He has made everything beautiful in its appropriate time. He has also put obscurity in their hearts so that no one comes to know the work that God has done from the beginning to the end. Okay, now listen. He's saying that no one's ever going to know Everything that's ever happened from the very beginning to the very end, we're always going to wonder. We're never going to know everything. People are always saying, how come we don't know how God made everything from the beginning? How come we don't know how everything is going to end? We're never going to know. This is the wisest man ever. We're never going to know every single thing. We're always going to wonder. If we ever knew everything, we're going to feel like we don't need God. Why would we think we need to know God if we know everything God's ever done? we got to seek God and seek his knowledge. And seek his understanding and seek his love. Seek his guidance. We'll never know until we're with him. This is what it says, verse 12. I experience that there is nothing better for them than to be glad and do good in their life. And also that everyone should eat and drink and experience good in all their labor. This is a gift of God. It's a gift of God to do good in their work. You know, some people could read that and say, oh, good. I'll just work for a living, working for a living, living and working. No, 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 no. We're to live and work for God. Let God guide us. I have received that everything that God has given us. Verse 14, I have perceived that everything that God has done will be lasting. And to this, there is nothing to be added. And from it, there is nothing to be taken away. And God has done this so that. In his presence, men fear him. We're talking about being afraid? No. So that people will honor him, respect him, follow him, follow God, live for God, honor him, do what God has done. He's given us the ability. Take it from someone who can no longer use his hand completely. Take it from someone who can no longer do things without being so very careful. Because I could fall down at any second and have issues, physical issues. When you have to call out to God at every second and thank him and worship him and praise him and say, God, please help me, we don't take things for granted. But when people take things for granted, they say, I don't need God. I don't need to worship God. I don't need to be with God. I could do it all on my own. Well, folks, we can't. Because if it weren't for God, you wouldn't have what you have. Amen? Amen. I can't drive on my own. I may be able to someday. I hope. I'm closer now than I ever have been in five years. But I'll tell you this, without him, I couldn't do that. 
I know a lot of people who couldn't drive, who can't drive because their abilities don't allow it. I'll tell you this. You need to be thankful for what you can do. Oh, God didn't give me that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. He gave you the ability to drive. He gave you the ability to talk. He gave you the ability to walk. I know some who can't. Be thankful for what you can do. Don't say, I don't need you, God. Say, thank you, God, that I need you and that you are guiding me and helping me every day, that you allow me to wake up today, that you are with me. I'm sorry, God, for the times I forget to thank you. Pastor, you tell me I need to thank him every second of the day. Thank him for every second. I'm not saying that every second and every time you take a step, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. That's what I'm not saying. I'm saying thank you, God, for the fact that I can step, for the fa- fact that I can do that. Isn't it funny? And I don't mean funny like ha-ha funny, but isn't it interesting that when we have the flu, that when we feel sick, we're like, please, God, help me. I don't want to be sick anymore. Why is that? Because we don't feel normal. We don't feel like we can go on. We don't even feel like we can go on without getting sick. We don't even feel like we can eat. We're like, boy, if only I could eat again. If only I could do something. You know why? Because we don't feel like we can do the normal things. That's why. You might say, oh, I don't feel like that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You may not say it out loud, and you may not be man enough or brave enough to admit it right now. But when you're down and out, you're calling out to God, God, help me, Lord, help me. Financially, we do it a lot of times. Help me, Lord. That's how come you call me all the time looking for money. That's how come you call me saying, okay, I don't go to your church, but I want the help from your church. That's how come people call out to other churches looking for help. Oh, I don't believe in God, but I believe that you can help me. You know why? That's what people do. They're looking for help. Why don't you look for help spiritually, not just financially? Why don't you look out for God spiritually, not just physically? Not just in every other way. God wants to help you, but he's trying to help you in every single way. And this is what Solomon found out when he was down and out. Because he wasn't down and out financially. He wasn't down and out financially. He had everything. But his wisdom, his wisdom gave him abilities, but he found out there's certain spiritual abilities that he wasn't as wise in as he thought he was. And so he was depressed. He was very, very, very depressed. He found there was vanity. And in that, he found out there's vanity of injustice. And so it goes on to say in verse 16, Moreover, I saw what was under the sun in the place of justice. There was wickedness. And that's what we have today. There's not so much justice. There's wickedness in there. And that's what people need to find. They need to find that there, there can be justice in righteousness, not in wickedness. In the place of righteousness, there was wickedness. In verse 17, it says in chapter 3, I thought in my heart God will bring judgment of the righteous and the wicked, for there is an appropriate time for every matter and deed. And there is. It took Solomon a long time to figure this stuff out. Yes, he brought some hardships on that land eventually. But the fact is, is we need to figure out that God will bring us happiness without going through looking for it in all the wrong places. We need to find happiness spiritually, and that will help us in the financial, the physical, and all the other problems in our lives. God will help us to find happiness in all these other things if we find it in the spiritual first. Amen? Because if you're spiritually happy, when you go through physical problems, God's going to lift you up. He will. 
and in the financial, if you're already spiritually set, God's going to help you be balanced. It's going to help. I promise. How many times throughout my life, my dad was a pastor. How many times church going, just like it's going right now, it's doing good, not going great. Of course, a lot of it has to do with the way society is right now. It's not you. It's not you. You're all doing good. It's a society around you. Oh, we don't need God. We're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing good. People start going bad. Fill up the fuse. Why? Oh, we need help. But come on in. I don't need you to wait for that. But what I'm saying is this. People, people a lot of times feel they don't need God because we have problems or other things. All of a sudden, we boom, we fill the fuse. It shouldn't be for that reason. It should be because you want to be spiritually set. You want to be spiritually balanced. You want to be spiritually happy. And when you're spiritually happy, everything else will set itself right in time. Balance it out. Balance it out. You may not be financially happy. And we're not saying that when you're spiritually happy, you're going to be financially sound. That's what false doctrine tells you. But we're saying that you don't have to be financially rich in order to be spiritually happy. You don't have to be physically fit. In order to be spiritually happy, I will never be physically fit again. And by that, I mean I will never have all my physical problems again. Oh, you don't have enough faith. No, no, no. I have enough faith in the Lord God to know that no matter what happens to me physically, I'm going to be spiritually fine. Even if my legs are never great again, that's why I'm walking around with a cane. Even though I may never be as, as fit as a fiddle, I may never be fit as a fiddle, but I'm going to tell you something. Pastor Phil is going to be just fine and dandy because spiritually I can dance. Spiritually, I can dance because I happen to know that in my pursuit of happiness, everything else could be on the floor, but I'm not. Spiritually, I'm up, and I have found the wisdom of the Lord God to put everything down and lift me up. Amen. Amen. That's how it has to be. What it says in chapter 4, it talks about being evil is under the sun. In fact, it says this in chapter 4, verse 1. Again, and remember this is Solomon. Mr. Wise, it says, again, I saw all types of oppression, all types of oppression that are done, or excuse me, that are done under the sun. Look, the tears of the oppressed, and no one was there to comfort them. And there was force from the hand of the oppressors, and no one was there to comfort them. I've been oppressed. Satan's oppressed me. This world has oppressed me, but it won't keep you down if you're spiritually happy and you pursue that happiness. It goes on to say so many other things, so many other things. You see, people so often are seeking the things of this world. But once you seek the Lord God and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, and you seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and you may say, but I'm already saved. Good. Praise the Lord that you're saved today. Praise the Lord for that. Let me, let me say something to you today. If you're already saved, but yet you're going through depression, I can understand that. When I went through all sorts of depression, and I have. I've gone through ups and downs like a water slide of depression before. Some of it was because of physical. Some of it was because of financial. Some of it was because of emotional. But if it hadn't have been the Lord God who started getting things right for me, spiritually, I never would have gotten out of any of that. Emotionally, no matter what happens to me, and it happens sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Even sometimes seeing that people are going through physical problems and they can't be here, that, that affects me emotionally. 
It does. Not because I feel like I'm a, a bad pastor or anything like that, but because I know that some of my dear brothers and sisters are hurting physically and I can't be there for them. Or some are going through emotional things and I can't be there for them. Or maybe it makes me feel like I'm not good enough to bring people in. That does affect me emotionally. But spiritually, I know I can't control anybody. I can't make people come in. And I know that there are some people who are just going through rough times. And you try to help people and you can't always do anything for them. And you want to. You want to help all people, but you just can't. All you can do is invite and help people and try your best. But folks, folks, all you can really do is pray and do your best. That's all you can do. But if you're not up spiritually, if you're not up spiritually, and I'm talking about finding spiritual happiness, how can you expect other people to be? How can you witness to others if you're not up spiritually and they're down spiritually? How can you help them? Now, they may be down emotionally. And that's when you who are spiritually up and found the pursuit of spiritual happiness. How can you reach them when they're emotionally down and physically down? How can you reach them if you're spiritually down into the world and ways of the world? How can you? You can't. You can't. When the people who say, oh, you just need to find happiness and they're into worldly happiness. Mm -mm. That is a horrible testimony. That is hypocritical is what that is. We can't be that way. We can't. What we need to do is find the pursuit of true, everlasting happiness. So we need to find and pursue spiritual happiness first. And we're talking about the everlasting happiness of Jesus Christ. Because that's what, whether he realized it or not at the time, Solomon was pointing us to. Solomon, who's very bloodline, who's very bloodline, we're talking about the bloodline of David, would lead us to. Through his children and their children and their children, Jesus would come. Jesus would come through Solomon's bloodline. Absolutely. We need to have the everlasting understanding of the Holy Spirit because that's what we seek and that's what we receive when we are following the understanding and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And that's when you finally receive happiness and richness and knowledge and wisdom of the Word the vision of God, because when you are reading the word of God and you're you're going on your own vision and your own understanding, and I'm talking about of the old flesh, you're not going to understand it, really. I can't tell you how many times I read the word of God growing up. I'd read it and I'd say, oh, okay, David was a boy. Oh, okay. He fought the giant. Oh, okay. But then as I got older, and I'm talking about the spirit now, and I grew, whoo, I read that same story 10 times. Then I read it again, and the Word of God, the, the, the Spirit of God, I mean to say, gave me understanding and knowledge, and boom! It was like reading something completely different. Why? Is it because my brain suddenly was extremely wise? No! It's because the vision of the Holy Spirit and God spoke to me and through me, and suddenly I knew things I never knew before. Oh! Someone must have got a hold of the Bible in the middle of the night, little elves or something, must have gotten there and written in my Bible and put new words in there, right? No, no, this is not a fairy tale. This is the real deal. The Holy Spirit makes this word of God come alive. And what else it does? The Holy Spirit comes in your brain and starts making little sparks. The Holy Spirit comes to life in you. And all of a sudden, you start to understand things that you didn't know you could understand. Why? Because you can't, not without the Holy Spirit. You can't. But that's what happens when you pursue happiness of the Spirit of God. 
in the knowledge of the Lord. You find happiness that you just didn't know you could find. That's what Solomon was speaking about. We need to find happiness in the right things. You won't find it in your works. Not really. It won't last. You won't find it in the things of the world. Pleasures, treasures, sexual treasures, as some people try to find it. Knowledge of the world. That realization's going to come. You won't find it in your wives, your husbands, and the family. Okay, we love them. God gave them to us for treasures. But guess what? The happiness is going to come and go. But in the everlasting happiness, and guess what? When you have it, they're going to see it. Oh, your family's going to see it. They're one by one going to start asking the questions. And if you have the everlasting pursuit of happiness, they're going to ask questions. Maybe they'll find it too. If they find it too, true happiness. Because then all of a sudden, they're going to want what you have. They're going to want the true happiness that you have to sparkling out of you. Solomon talks about this. Oh, on and on he does. And I'm not going to go through the rest of it except to say this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For when there is an abundance of dreams and futilities, then words increase too. Therefore, it is God you should fear, you should respect, you should honor, because people are going to see it. And it goes on to say, oh, it goes on to say, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, oh, because this is where we should find our happiness. This is where we should find our pursuit of happiness in the creator, in the creator himself. And this is where Solomon starts ending all of his pursuit. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. When you're young, you know, we've said this before, get them while they're young. Get them while they're young. This little darling right here, this little fella right here, get them while they're young. Seek the Lord while you can find them, when they're young. Get them when they're young. Make sure you plant the truth in them. I'll say it again. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them because you're going to see troubles will come when you get older. You're going to wish that you had planted the truth in your heart and in your mind because when the troubles do come, you know what you can do? Oh, I'm telling you. When the troubles come in your life, and they will come, little boy, they will come, little girl. When the troubles do come in your life, you can pluck out the fruits and the vegetables of God's word and wisdom, and you can bring it against, you can bring it against the enemy. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. The depression is going to come in your life, all of you. Maybe the depression's come now. Maybe you feel depressed. Because no matter what you do every day, maybe you get up and you do the same thing you've done every day. Maybe you're depressed because some of your loved ones are going through difficulties. And you don't think you can do anything about it. That's probably true. Maybe they're physically, emotionally, spiritually. Maybe financially they're going through some troubles and you can't seem to persuade them. But God can. God can help them. He may not change what they're going through physically. I don't know. I really don't. Maybe he will. Maybe physically they're going through things or financially. I'm not sure what's going on emotionally. But I do know that spiritually God can do all things if they allow. 
So just pray. You have begun to seek the pursuit of true, spiritual, everlasting happiness. Pray that they'll find it too. Continue to live it and show them. Maybe they're going to find that happiness and you'll find it because they have found it. And that'll be the greatest happiness you can ever receive. That'll be great. That'll be wonderful. And I'm going to end this sermon with Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Now, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, I'll say it. Now all has been heard. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. We need to follow God. This is what the wisest man figured out. Even after he received all the treasures this earth could give. He was richer than everybody. He was wiser than everybody. More knowledge, more money, more women. He had every treasure a man could receive. He had all the riches a man could receive because people are seeking money. Through all of his work, he received it. His kingdom could not get bigger. His pleasurable life could not get bigger. All the wives in the world that he could want and more. He could not receive any more knowledge. He could not receive anything else. And yet, in the end, he knew the only thing that he could do, the best thing he could do, listen now, the conclusion of the matter is fear God and his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Seek God. Follow God. That is what we need to do. You want the pursuit of happiness? You want to be happy for eternity? Follow God. Be happy in God and you'll be happy in Everything else, it is that simple. Pastor, that's not simple. It is. It is. Quit trying to figure things out with psychology. Quit trying to figure things out with your manly brain and let the Holy Spirit figure it out for you. It's a lot simpler than you're making it. Right now, let's close our eyes. Right now. If you're having problems with your job, I'm not by any means telling you to quit. That's not it. But make sure the first thing in your life is the Lord God. Make sure that the Lord God is the first thing in your life. Make sure that you're tithing to him first. Make sure that you're raising your family. up. Make sure that your daughters and your sons and your wives and your husbands know that they are second to God always. That they're after God. Otherwise, you will not find that happiness because no one should ever be before the Lord. And that's biblical. Never let your job come before God. or Otherwise, it's your God. Never let your family come before God. Otherwise, they're your God. Never let anybody or anything come before the Lord ever. Otherwise, you will not find the true happiness. Make sure, no matter what, God is first. His knowledge, his understanding, all of that is first. And you will find happiness. And it won't just last in this world, but everlasting happiness. Yes, you'll have difficulties in this world, but the happiness and knowledge and happiness, everlasting happiness of the Lord will last. And that comes straight from the wisest man of all time. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you lead us and guide us to your will. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you help anyone who's calling out to you today. 
I pray for those who are not able to be here today. I pray that you will lead them and guide them or to put you first. To start putting you first always, no matter what's occurring in their life today. For those who are physically ill right now and not feeling well, I pray, Lord God, that you will lead them, guide them, protect them, touch their body. Help them right now, Lord. I pray for those right now who are going through financial troubles that you will strengthen them today. Help them in their financial difficulties. Those who are having problems with their job, I pray you'll help them with that. I pray, Lord God, that they will see that you have helped them so much and they will put you first always to be here, Lord, to praise you, to follow you, to always read your word and put it in their lives. I pray, Lord God, for those who want to be here and feel like they can't, Lord, I pray that you'll make a way. It'll make a way for them to be here so this church can grow and that their spiritual life will grow. I pray this in your holy, precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.